Hey, 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 folks. Welcome back. Another great episode today. Zooming in from beautiful Windsor or thereabouts, Ontario. We've got Mr. Kyle Pierce, who is, I'm, I'm excited about our interview today, Kyle. Now I'm excited about all these interviews, but yours is kind of <laughs> extra special because you've got such an interesting backstory and, and you're a very accomplished real estate entrepreneur. And I love your, your, your nickname or whatever we call it, your tag name on, on social media, invested teacher. Yes. Because you are a long time educator in my least favorite subject from high school, which is <laughs> mathematics. <laughs> awesome. So welcome to the show, Kyle. Hey, thanks so much, David. It's awesome to uh, have some time to chat with you and the audience here today. Yeah. It's, it, it, it's a, it's a different story. Um, you know, my, mine, you know, I was one of those kids who uh, seemed to do well in mathematics. So I just sort of kept following down that path, not really knowing why, not really knowing exactly what would uh, come of it and ended up going down the math teacher route and uh, actually loved it. And I still love it. And I actually still do consulting for K to 12 mathematics. And, uh, you know, so it, it's a massive passion of mine, but all along this journey, uh, I had been picking up books and I've always been interested in investing and, you know, money and compound interest. You know, my favorite lesson to teach students is all about compound interest. And of course, real estate, uh, a hard asset, something you can go and touch, uh, you know, it's there. It doesn't matter what it's worth. It's like, you know, you own it and you know, it's there and it's actually necessary, uh, for, for folks to, uh, you know, to live in. So, yeah. um, that's, that's sort of the path that uh, I've kind of gone down and, uh, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm super excited to, uh, to be here chatting with you here today. Well, likewise. So Kyle, what was walk us through that first revenue property purchase? Maybe give us an idea of when that was. Mm -hmm. What sparked the difference between learning about it and jumping in and actually doing it? Because it's it's interesting, Kyle. I've I've I come from a quite a few school teachers. My mother was a school teacher. She was also mm -hmm. a real estate investor. However, you guys kind of buck the norm. Most school teachers and educators that I know are not, you know, into real estate investing or much into entrepreneurship. They, mm -hmm. they kind of like the good steady job with a good pension and benefits and vacations and stuff. They don't think too much about that other stuff. So yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Well, you know, I'd like to say that you know, we're in this golden handcuffed job, right? Where we're, you know, we're here and, uh, you know, we have a pension, good pay in Ontario here, education uh, or educators have good pay. My dog is of course, barking at the door right now. So you got a good mic. I can't yeah. even hear. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> I record podcasts all day long. And meanwhile, yeah. she's, she always leaves me alone, but here, here we are today on this one. But she likes the sound of my, the soothing monotone of my voice is just pricked up her ears or something like that. Yeah, totally, <laughs> totally, totally. So hopefully she'll leave us alone here in a second. However, um, yeah, so that golden handcuff job, you know, and again, love it. And I think most educators really are passionate about the work that they're doing. So you can see how people sort of get this mindset of, well, if, if I'm okay financially, I'm not going to worry about it. I'm just going to do my job, do the best I can, and everything else will fall into place. And in reality, 
it's true. Like it, you will be okay. Your pension will be a nice, solid, reliable thing to sort of guide you along. And for me, that was just never something like I've always just wanted to push the envelope. I've always been so interested in just seeing what we could possibly do. And uh, real estate really intrigued me. And it was when I picked up the Rich Dad, Poor Dad book. It wasn't the first real estate book I had read, but as I was digging in, this was way back in probably 2007, 2008, I started reading that book and I related to that poor dad side of things where it was, you know, I was just paying down my mortgage. I was, you know, doing all the quote unquote right things. And I was open, like my mind was open to this world of, oh my gosh, there's so much more we could be doing here. And, you know, all of a sudden down the rabbit hole, we went. Nice. So what, when was the first revenue property purchase and what was it? Uh, back in, well, we all know about the financial crisis, 2008, that was around the time when I was sort of digging in here. And I actually didn't realize how serious or how in depth, uh, the challenge was in the financial crisis. However, um, you know, as I was reading and digging in and I started to see the dip in the U S market, I was thinking, oh my gosh, you know, this is a great opportunity to dive into So every single night when I got home from my job and I was done planning for the next day, no kids, this is pre-kids. And uh, I just started searching all over the US and I was thinking, where could I possibly purchase a property? Now, like many people, before they get into real estate investing, they're often, you know, you sort of, you know, irrational thoughts cross your mind. Like, what if I can't rent the property? Right. So my thought was, I want to make sure it's a property I can afford and I could float, assuming no one was living there. Mm, and I thought, you know, yeah. yeah. And and I thought if if this doesn't work out, maybe, maybe a second home, you know, could be the backup plan. So mm. that immediately had me looking in places like Florida. And I really dug in in the Florida market. So I started every night just researching all these different markets and finally landed on Fort Myers. And uh, you know couple flights down there to go check out properties. I bought my first property and it was actually, again, super conservative in a gated community paid, you know, uh, what at the time was, uh, much more, you know, probably double the price of other, you know, properties I could have purchased probably better suited for rentals, but I just wanted to make sure that security was there. You know, I I didn't feel confident enough. So that was like $95,000, Um, which again, back then felt like a lot now seems like, oh my gosh, $95,000 for a, you know, a coach home, newer development, gated community, all of these things. And now I look back as most real estate investors do and say, I wish I could have bought 10. Uh, (laughs) however, only stuck with one's better than none. Yeah. And at least we didn't stop there. You know, we kept Yeah. So then, okay. So you got that first one pretty conservative, uh, Canadian investing in the States. That's interesting. What, and so what what did you start doing after that? And what does your portfolio look like these days, Kyle? Yeah. So in that 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 time in the US, so it was about 2011 when I purchased that Florida property and um, you know, felt really good about it. For the next year, I I kept looking, kept exploring. I was still at the same time going, okay, is this like for real that I borrowed? I used a home equity line of credit. And I was like, is this for real that I'm actually using rent? to pay all of my expenses, all of the interest and some principal on this home equity line of credit. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, 
this is for real. So I went on to the next one. Uh, the next one on the hit list was Arizona and Phoenix. And in 2012, actually, my wife was, uh, was pregnant with my daughter, my first child. Uh, we were traveling. We were in Vegas at the time and, you know, uh, had a notary show up and sign the paperwork and property number two was under our belt. And, uh, you know, so from there, um, just kept on scaling up and luckily found a local um, teacher, another educator, Matt Bigley, who um, was interested in going into multifamily. So again, new experience. We knew multifamily made more sense. You know, it, it, it was more units, you know, less overhead cost, all of those things. Um, but we were both a little bit scared to pull the trigger. And right. ultimately when we found out, you know, and kind of ran into each other and, you know, I said, I'm looking at this property over here, uh, you know, on this road and, you know, it's a six unit. He's going, is it this property? Yeah. And he said, okay, let's partner up. So we ended up partnering up and that was our first sort of combined purchase. And, and then was that in the there, States or was that in Canada? That actually was local. So after, okay. you know, after that, um, the Phoenix thing, um, you know, we started uh, getting, running into a little more trouble with trying to find financing in the U S right. and at the time I had no idea what private money was. I had no idea about, you know, fundraising or any of those things. So we started to look a little bit more close to home and we were working full-time jobs. Right. So, right. you know, it, it really did make sense at the time for us to start looking in our backyard and, and thinking, you know, we're, we know the area, we know the great parts of the city and, you know, the County and, you know, maybe we can start building a portfolio locally. So we really focused in on that area um, from about 2016 until now, of course, over the past couple of years, we had a bit of a pause with the COVID chaos. So we sort of, you know, pumped the, the brakes a little bit thinking, mm -hmm. you know, this is getting a little bit, you know, out of hand too hot. and wanted yep. to wait. Yeah. Wait and see where the cards fell. And, you know, so we're obviously, you know, happy that uh, that was the case anyway. So what does your portfolio mix look like between single family homes and multifamilies at, at this point, Kyle, in Canada versus the States? Yeah. So now in the States, we ended up, uh, when my wife and I built our, our home, our forever home, which we're in now, we actually had sold our Florida property. Again, every property you sell, I think every real, you know, real estate investor says that's the biggest regret they have is selling anything. Uh, however, we did do that more from, again, the conservative side, making sure that everything, you know, all the cards were going to fall in the right place. So we still have our Arizona property, but everything else is currently local here in Windsor, Essex County. Mm -hmm. um, so now we are primarily multifamily. So we've got a handful of duplexes, about 32 doors nice. uh, total. Um, and then the rest are, you know, six units, nine units, a 10 unit, you know, so like much, much more, not massive, but, you know, from that six unit to 10 unit seems to be kind of our wheelhouse currently, mm -hmm. um, you know, oftentimes looking for things like not being purpose built can be an advantage because right. a lot of, you know, bigger funds are coming in and they want, you know, purpose built, they want as many units as possible for, for us, that's kind of a nice number. And then also when we go to raise some, you know, joint venture funds or any private capital that could be a little bit easier on us as well. Definitely. So how did you break into the whole private capital and joint venture side of things, Kyle? It sounds like you and your partner bumped into each other, mm -hmm. each put money into the deal and put effort into that. <clears throat> when did that transition into bringing in more passive joint venture type partners? Yeah, it was probably only in the last, you know, I mean, we had always heard of this idea, you know, OPM and, 
you know, private money and joint venture, like they, they all sound so scary. They sound intimidating. Right. And, you know, so like, like everything, I would go down the rabbit hole, do more learning, more reading. And what really resonated with us first was this idea of a joint venture, you know, and, and I think the first thought, you know, much like go back all the way to that first property where I'm going, is this for real? I have enough money coming in to not only cover all the expenses, but also, you know, the money I'm borrowing in order to buy this property. The same, I think, goes through your mind when you think about a joint venture and you're going like, why would someone want to give me or us, you know, myself and my partner money to only get a part of the deal, like a part of the upside, right? Like you're in your head, it doesn't make sense because you, you know what you know, and you forget that. All they the don't other know what you on, know. No, exactly. Not it's only like, do they not know what you don't what you know, they don't particularly either want to either. They don't want to. They don't want exactly. to go through the learning curve and and everything that you guys have gone through. Absolutely, and and I think that's like one of those massive epiphanies that you know we had where we went, oh my gosh, like what what it means is that we have something to offer them. We have value. They have something mm-hmm. to offer us, which is funding, and you know, and essentially that's it. They're bringing funding and you know, that that, maybe credit, maybe, maybe credit. Right. So, I mean, that's really helpful, but it's like, but we have like all this experience we have, you know, combined like, you know, tens or 20,000 hours of, you know, combined experience doing this work. And just like you said, I think that just nails it is that people want to know that the people they're, they're partnering with have done this before have had success that they can feel confident without having to, and and also time is massive, like not just time invested into learning, but if you go all the way back to the beginning of my journey, my journey started back in like 2008 and it was, you know, three years before I pulled the trigger on something. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, it was like another year to do it again. Like it's these little steps that take so long. Whereas with a joint venture, someone comes in, they go, well, I have the funds. Uh, I could wait five years to try to do all this work myself and, you know, get into the market or I can get in now, potentially get an education if I wanted to. Yeah. Pay to play. Totally lean, like lean on the, the managing partners to learn and, and to, to essentially steal these great ideas from, and then you could go off and do the next deal on your own if you feel up for it. But a, a lot of people, I think they go, this is pretty easy. I like, I like this idea, right? I don't have to I like, I like the passive idea better. Exactly. Totally. So how did, how did those first outside JVs look, Kyle? Who were they? How did you find them? How did you get them enticed into your deal? That sort of thing. Yeah. The the first JV that I did was, and my, my partner, Matt did was actually with uh, a colleague of mine who was also my math business partner. So his, his name's John Orr. He's actually one of our co-hosts on the Invested Teacher podcast. Uh-huh. And he was our first, at the time, he had no idea. He was like, I know I want to do more than what I'm doing. You know, I want to do more than my pension, um, but I have no idea what to do. And he trusted, you know, and again, that really for us resonated where it was like, okay, trust is massive. You have to build that no like, and trust because that is the thing that really drove that, you know, from start to finish is the fact that when we, if there was a hiccup, if there was confusion that we could explain it to him and he trusted 
in the process. So then we went, okay, that he trusted that, the process he, and he trusted you guys, right? Exactly. That and and he, yeah. that was like, where in our heads, we were going, okay, that's going to be something that we really need to pay attention to as we're scaling. And we want to find other joint venture partners right. that actually don't know us. Right. It's like, so how are we going to do that? And that's when we started thinking, you know what, the invested teacher podcast is going to be such a great fit. And ultimately it is designed to sort of target folks just like John, who yeah. have a golden handcuffed job, who may not have the experience, may not have the confidence and how, how best to, you know, get to know someone than to listen to them for, you know, 30 to 45 minutes every week, learning about deals, learning about our philosophy, learning about who we are as people. And, uh, you know, so far that's been a really, really great way to connect us, uh, much like I'm sure you and your, you know, your audience being able to connect people and go, okay, like I know Dave, I've never met Dave, but I know, like, and trust Dave. And mm -hmm. we're, we're building that with our audience as well. Oh, that is so smart, Kyle. So would you say that the majority of your joint venture partners, your investors these days are fellow teachers? You know what? So far, yes. And I, yeah. and I, I, I'm guessing based on our, our listenership, that is one maybe negative of the title of the podcast is that I think some people might see that and, you know, teachers, it's great. They go, Oh, that's me. They, they click it. But, uh, I worry doctors, nurses, you know, like, uh, you know, government employees may not oh, see man. the podcast you know what? I, to them. I, I respectfully disagree with you. I think it's brilliant. I think you ah, stumbled beautiful. into something. No, I think you stum stumbled into something really, really strong because everybody and their dog in the syndication business is going after the doctors and the high mm. net worth business owners and the accountants and the, you know, all these kind of people. Everybody is going after that. You guys have a huge competitive advantage because number one, you are teachers. Mm -hmm. And number two, you are investors. And number three, that's exactly the name of your show. <laughs> and you're targeting other teachers who are interested in investing. It is yeah. the perfect, perfect niche. I so love it. I, I highly recommend from just putting my marketing hat on, Kyle, don't change a damn thing. <laughs> <laughs> that's the awesome. Only, the only thing you yeah. might do is is look at broadening the reach of the yeah. show. Although I'm sure it's still pretty, it's pretty broad, but if it's Canada focused right now, mm -hmm. maybe getting a little bit more traction in the States. If, if you even need to, you might not even need to, because totally, quite frankly, totally. depending, unless you guys are starting to look at bringing down massive, you know, hundreds of millions of dollar type deals, mm -hmm. you know, if, if you're staying in this nice little sweet spot, where you're under the radar with the big guys, you're, you're focusing on these small to medium-sized multifamily properties. You've got a huge advantage there and you've got a huge advantage that you're tapping into a relatively untapped investor market hmm. with your podcast. So man, if I were you, I wouldn't change a darn thing as far as the audience goes. I love it. That's, that's such an interesting perspective. You know, when you, when you, look at it that way. And now that you've, you know, shed that light, um, you're so right in, in that regard. Right. And I think it's funny because whenever you start anything in the online world, right, you tend to think big or like we can, you know, 
there's billions of people on this planet, you know, and, and we can, <laughs> and we to want to talk to all of them. Right. When yeah. in reality, it's way better. We know the riches are in the niches or the niches, yeah. depending on where you're from. And, uh, and, you know, ultimately, yeah, like you've, you've sort of articulated that really well, that, you know, in a lot of ways, getting to that very specific niche. And then over time, you can always expand from there. It's much easier to expand yeah. from there. than and, to and try. quite to frankly, I don't after. think you ever need to Kyle. Mm. I mean, there are so many teachers out there and, and even if you had just a tiny fraction of those, because I don't know, when did you guys start your show? Has it been going for a while now? Honestly, just since the beginning of this year. So we had just released, I think, episode 24 this oh, week. Congratulations. So, yeah. 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 So it's going well. Our our math podcast has been around since 2018. So that was sort of our, you know, our proof of concept, um, both John and I um, in running that show. And we, you know, that got us thinking, hey, you know, if we want to, if we want to reach a bigger audience in the investment world, in the JV yeah. world, then we need to do something. And I, I think that is the, you know, the right play anyway, as, oh, as definitely. you obviously well, I, Yeah. So that, that is very, very smart. Yeah. Good on you guys. I would definitely keep it focused on that because here's the beautiful thing, right? The people listening to that podcast are probably teachers. Mm. So there's an immediate affinity because you guys are, or have been teachers, mm -hmm. right? So they, they get it. There's, it's so much easier to get that no like and trust factor when you've already totally. got such big commonality. Oh, so yeah, totally. No, that's that is fantastic, Kyle. So, what are your goals? What are, what are you guys looking to do over the next year or two? Over the next year or two, we want to continue scaling up. Of course, um, yeah. you know my my business partner Matt actually went ahead and and got his real estate license a, a couple of years ago and began going down that rabbit hole. So he's been, you know, doing so well in that world. So he's Windsor Essex, anyone in Windsor Essex reaching out to Matt Bigley. Uh, he's your guy. He's teamed up with someone, uh, a really big name around here in the real estate world. So uh, he's been doing that. I'm working on my life insurance license because I am a, I'm obsessed with the infinite banking concept, oh, okay. being yeah, a numbers yeah, yeah. guy. I, yeah. I love I, are you, I are wish, you still teaching Kyle or are you guys still I, I'm teaching? actually on a sabbatical right now oh, okay. doing full-time consulting right now um, through our online um, math consulting business and working heavily in the invested teacher side of things. So looking into more deals and, you know, the beautiful part is, is when you kind of step away from the golden handcuff sort of mm -hmm. situation, be it education or, you know, government, medical, wherever you are. The beauty is, is that you can then hone in on what really matters at the moment. So if there's a great deal going on, I can 100% commit to that. Uh, and I could be reaching out to different, uh, you know, potential, potential joint venture partners. And, you know, Matt's on the phone with all the deals in town. And so it, it's been a really awesome experience. And um, I'm telling you, as much as I love teaching it, it I, I, dare I say, I think I, I love doing this stuff way more. <laughs> you may dare say that that is wonderful. Kyle. So any, any challenges that you guys foresee down the road, any hiccups coming your way or anything that you've kind of had to overcome? You know what? It, it, interestingly enough, I would say if you asked me that about a year ago, I bet you I would have had a big list of them, but 
the one part that has really fallen into place for me, and it's starting to, you know, make more sense. People say things happen for a reason or everything happens for a reason. And I'm truly seeing that in this particular journey where when a deal doesn't come through, I used to look at that as a problem, or I used to look Mm -hmm. at that as a failure. And I'm truly now seeing things and I'm always trying to look into them to either learn from it's like, did we drop the ball on that? You know, if a deal doesn't go through, you know, it means that it didn't work for someone. Right. And, right. It, and it's really got me thinking and it, it makes me think that in the future, there's going to be challenges. There's always going to be these issues, but the beauty is that there's always something to learn from it. And Mm -hmm. oftentimes what you'll see is that when something falls apart, like months later, you kind of look back on it and you go like, I now, I now see why that happened in order for us to get to here or to do that. So while I see there's challenges there, like one, for example, is, Hey, if, if we do decide to do full-time independent entrepreneurial, you know, entrepreneurship, you know, now we, we lose access to, you know, the golden handcuff ability to just get a mortgage anytime you want. Right. Right. So there's some of those challenges, but that's where, again, learning other people's money, private money, joint venture money, that's where those pieces I think really do come together. So really has us motivated, even though it's not going to necessarily be easy as we're in this transition phase. I really do think that we're going to learn such valuable lessons over this next, you know, 12 to 18 months that can really um, completely change the trajectory for the rest of our lives. Well, here's, here's a big hint for you, Kyle. If you guys do walk away from the golden handcuffs, guess what? All of your joint venture partners and investors still have them. Yeah. And they still and they still qualify. So you can borrow that in addition to the funds. You can you can borrow that ability to qualify in their credit as well as their money. So exactly. I wouldn't worry about it at all. I love it. I love awesome, it. Awesome, Kyle. So if people want to connect with you, what should they do? You know what? I think heading over to investedteacher.com is a great spot to start. Lots of resources there. We've got an amazing book list, a blueprint, all kinds of wonderful things they can do. And of course, you know, they're listening to a podcast right now. So whatever platform they're on, type in invested teacher and uh, hit follow or subscribe. And uh, hopefully, hopefully we'll, we'll get a couple new years here. That sounds good. Well, thanks so much, my friend. Sounds like you're up to great things. Thanks so much. I appreciate all the work you do, my friend. All right, everybody take care. Talk to you on the next episode. Bye now.